want to share with you, we're in the one-year Bible, and I hope that you're trekking with us. If, if you're lagging behind, don't get upset. Uh, you're, never, you're not going to lose. You can't lose by reading the Word of God. And so if you, if you have your Bible app, version, stay up to that thing. You know, you know we don't want to put any guilt or anything on you, but you know, the, the app sort of puts a little bit guilt on you. I don't know if you've noticed in the bottom right-hand corner, you missed 14 days. It's just a real small voice. It's like, it's like the Lord's voice. It's just tiny, tiny. Matter of fact, some of you probably haven't even seen it yet. It's so tiny, but yet so subtle. And it's just like that small voice that says, come on now, come on. But don't get discouraged. And then if you need a one-year Bible, there's some in the hub you can buy and trek along with us. And like I said, I'm giving you a guarantee that if you'll, if you'll read the one-year Bible, I believe at the end of this year, you'll be a better person. I don't think God will love you anymore but I think you'll be a better person. Did you know that God loves, period? His love doesn't have degrees of love, which is so, so wonderful and, uh, and so good that he actually constantly seeds, he seeds our life with, with, with seed. He constantly throws things out. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the seed, talk about parables. Now, before we read this, I want to let you know that Jesus knew everything and if he would have unloaded everything on, on people <laughs> when he was walking this earth, I don't know that they could have handled it. Even his leaders, he said, sometimes there's a lot of things I'll, I want to tell you, but you're not able to receive them yet. And so he spoke mostly in parables to the people. And parables are, are really practical, natural stories that have spiritual meaning. He talked about mountains. He talked about water. He talked about seed, plants, trees. And he used all that, wrapped that all together so people could understand. Then he would, he would, he would put it in the form of a story. And, and then what would happen when he was along with his top leaders, they, would, they didn't want to say this like in public, but, but the top leaders would come and say, uh, Jesus, now exactly what did you mean out there? I mean, we were trailing with you, but we're not sure we know. And then he would explain it to them. And that's what he did in the 13th chapter of Matthew. And I want to begin reading today in the first verse. Said so that same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables saying, a farmer went out to sow his seed and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and, and the birds came and ate it up and some fell on rocky place where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seeds fell on good ground, where it produced a crop 160 or 30 times what was sown. And then he just adds on, he says, you know, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Whoever is really listening, let them hear. And so I, I, would, I would say that same thing to you today. Whoever has ears in this room, listen and hear. Not just with these ears, but with this ear. Hear what Jesus is saying because it affects all of our lives here. The message here is about soil and seed, but really it's about the word of God and hearts. It's all about hearts. Jesus is always all about the heart. We work from the outside in, but he always, all the time works from the inside out. We spend so much time on the outside. 
He spends so much time and energy on our insides. This I know that when you get the inside fixed, the outside gets fixed also. So Jesus began to explain this in, in really four steps. And what we're going to share with you today, he talked about the seed. I think the seed, you know, is, is the word of God. It's, it's right. It's, it's real. It's perfect. What God sows is always perfect. Our hearts are not always perfect, but his word is, has no flaw. It's absolutely inspired, breathed by God. It has no contradictions, and it, it will bear fruit when it falls on the right soil. And that is the situation, the condition of our hearts. And so the first place he, he spoke as he got in private, he began to explain this thing. And so we're going to just take verses that explain it and then kind of just blow it up for you. In verse 18, he says, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. He says, so listen up. This is what it really means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their hearts. This is the seed sown along the path. The devil, the enemy, steals the seed. You know how it is when you plant seed in your yard, or if it's not done right, birds will come and eat the seed, or they'll get washed away. And the pathway, if you can just think about it, as a matter of fact, you can use this room as a perfect example, the aisles being the pathway in a field. They didn't really plow their fields like we do today. Today, when you look at 40 acres, you see furrows straight as an arrow, all piled up perfectly. I mean, it's so wonderful. It's done by machinery, but back then it wasn't that way at all. They had pathways that, the, that people would walk across the field on, but also the farmer would walk on and he would just have a sack of seed and he would just throw the seed out, man. You understand what I'm saying? Just broadcast it out and wherever it fell, it fell. It was not very, very strategic. I mean, just, you know, some of you have fertilized your yard that way and that's why you've got some funny situations. <laughs> just like, hey, I guess it says use a spreader on a certain, but ah, this will work. And you end up with real green patches, and then you end up with deadness and everything in between. And so where they walked, just like in this room here, when we removed the chairs, you can see exactly where the aisles were. Why? Because there's much more traffic on the aisles than in the seats. And so it is there. And so the path is the place they walked. It was compacted. And so when the seed falls on it, the birds come right off, and they just have a field day. Same way with people's hearts. People's hearts have been walked on. In this room right now, without any hesitation, I say some of you have been walked on by people. Some of your hearts have been made hard. And that is the strategy of the devil. The strategy of the devil is to vicariously live his pattern and his plan through people and use people to hurt you to harden you, to hinder you in any way. See, some of you in this room, and I, I believe that as we were preparing this this week, and we realized that honestly, there are people in the room that have been hurt by authority, whether it's parents or family members, pastors even hurt people, coaches. As a matter of fact, I don't know that you can go through life without being hurt. I know we try to dodge the ball of offense continually, but I'm not sure if you live long enough, I believe you're going to be offended some way, some shape, somehow or another. 
something's going to happen. I think we've been hurt by authority. I think we've been hit hardened by rejection. I think I was rejected as a young person. Probably felt more rejected than I really was, but you know, what's real to you is real. It may be a lie, but it's real. And once it gets inside of you and it starts working on you, let me tell you something, it'll do a number on your heart and it will harden you and cause you to live a certain way that you really don't want to live. And then third, I believe that people are hindered by disappointments. I believe they're, they're robbed by hope and vision for their life. I mean, disappointment after disappointment. I've lived long enough to see that. It seems like some people have many more disappointments than others. It just seems like some people, they're just on a, on a grease rail. Everything just seems to be perfect. You know, the cheerleader and the quarterback, you know. And after they graduate, they drive the Corvette and the Lexus. And I'm in a Ford, an old Ford. And it just seems like, you know, disappointment after disappointment, this relationship or this business dealing or my goodness, I just saved up enough money feeling good. And then the refrigerator broke or we broke a leg (laughs) or whatever. And things like these disappointments can hinder us. And all these are to blind us, to blind people. This is the work of the enemy. First Corinthians chapter, second Corinthians chapter four, verse four. The Bible says the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. It says unbelievers, but I just want to expand it. And I believe that many times even believers are blinded through process, through problems, being hurt, being hindered, being hardened, and just blinds us to the glory of God, to the goodness of God. We blame God. So many people blame God for something he didn't do. If you ever think that you've been falsely accused, you're in good company with the Lord because he is falsely accused of so many things. Usually when people die, especially if it's an untimely death, God is blamed. Dealt with that just this week. God is blamed or, or, or you know, people, why did, you know, and, and, and it's like, whoa, wait a minute. Let's look at this thing. No, God is not to blame. In Mark chapter 10, verse 51, the Bible says, what do you want me to do? That's what Jesus said to a man that was blind one day. Walking down the road, a man is blind. He's calling out to Jesus. And Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? Can you imagine? What do you, the Messiah say, what do you want me to do for you? And this man said, this is what I want. I want to be able to see. I want to see. He said, that's my problem. I don't want to be a beggar. I can work. I'm industrious. I'm healthy in every other way. I just can't see. And Jesus healed him of his blindness And when you are healed of your blindness, you find out that life is big and life is really good and God is great and you can move forward. But it takes an opening of the eye and a softening of the heart to receive the word of God. So what is your next step? If you're on the pathway, what is your next step here? Because we must take next steps. The days of standing still and not moving in the church have got to cease. 
we must move forward. You must move forward. Listen to me, folks. God's going to challenge you. I think your next step, you should get into an L-I-F-E small group, Living in Freedom Everyday Small Group. You should sign up today, especially you men. We have one man signed up for L-I-F-E in this church, in this location right now. One man says, I need help with my heart and my life. Some of you are hanging on a twig and your wife knows it. And right now, if she had the guts, she would just elbow you and say, sign up. No need to walk in darkness, in bondage, in hiding any longer. The provisions have been made for you to be free. And I want to tell you something right now. When you're free, you're free indeed. I mean, it's like, yes, yes, finally. I got that thing off my back. So that's your next step. And women too. And young people too. I mean, that's your next step. L-I-F-E. In this body. That's where you're going to forgive the person who hurt you. That's where your heart is going to be softened because it's hard. And that's where you're going to be able to move forward and overcome the hindrances. And Jesus put it out there just like that. But he said, you know what? Sometimes the seed falls on the rocks. I just do. In the 20th verse, the seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. This happens. Jesus is teaching us. This is the Lord Jesus Christ teaching truth. You say, well, he's not too positive. Well, he's just telling it like it is. This thing of the rocky soil, you know, it, it tells me that it's a shallow life. It, it's shallow. It's, well, so what is a shallow life? I mean, a shallow soil. So what is a shallow life? What does it look like? Well, a shallow life looks like a, um, just a, a life that is filled with just a natural vision. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul says, The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. You, you see, folks, we, we're in a spiritual kingdom, and we don't receive things only by information. Nor do we receive things only by inspiration. Now, we need information and we need inspiration. But we receive things really, the things that really get us are by revelation. The things that are hidden to the natural mind that seems to be foolish to the natural mind. Like, hey, I'm striving against sin. I don't want to do that. You're still, why, man? You know. Or even within your own self, being convicted by the Holy Spirit. And, and my natural man, just like yours, he's just like yours. He stands up and says, you ain't going to do that. Don't take it so far. You don't have to be so radical. You're going to be weird to people. But yet the word calls us peculiar anyway. And so this shallow soil, you know, it's like, it's like looking at things only from the natural. Everything's in the natural. Everything's a battle in the natural. That person, that thing, that place, that thing, only what I can see. Never looking at the invisible and the eternal. Did you know that the things we see are temporal, but the things we can't see are eternal? But we put so much time in the temporal, and sometimes we let the 
eternal just lag behind. It's sort of like weeds on the roof. I look out of my office window every year, and every year, building number two in the gutter, all of a sudden, I see a little plant coming up. I mean, it's in the spring, and it's just, it's, just this little, it's, it's every year. It's like, and I watch it, and I watch it, and it's there, and it's doing good. And then, then you know, comes May, June, June, July, and finally it just falls down into the gutter because it has shallow soil, just a little bit of, little bit of grit in the bottom of that gutter. And a, a seed gets there, I guess a bird, and, and it just grows up. But it cannot handle the heat of the day. And when we are just natural-minded, when we, when we have this natural mind about everything else, when the heat comes on, we'll buckle because we lack godly wisdom. It's, another, it's a shallow life, but it's also a life that lacks godly wisdom. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 16, we read it this week. Long life is in her hand, in wisdom's hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her. Those who hold her fast will be blessed. Not worldly wisdom. Worldly wisdom is just what's out there. That's why there's so much chaos in the world today. What a mess people are making of things because we just go by worldly wisdom. But when you get heavenly wisdom, everything changes. Every decision you make changes when you have the wisdom of God. Your relationships get better. Your finances get better. Your health will get better. Everything about you will be better if you will please take the time to get the wisdom of God from his spirit and from the word of God. Let it sink into your heart. Not a shallow life like, oh, well, I'm just going to hang in there. Things are good. I guess. I don't know. Whatever, you know. But a Life that's filled with worldly wisdom. And then thirdly, this shallow life is a life that is filled with people in the wrong company. You know what, guys? This is what 1 Corinthians 15 says. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Who you hang with? Oh, you might not be hanging with a thug. You might be hanging with an with a illegal businessman. Do you understand? Bad habits. I've got a bad habit. Just yesterday, there I was again in this bad habit. My wife has told me about my bad habit. So many years, she finally quit telling me about this bad habit. That's one way to win, guys. Just keep plowing. I've got this habit that I will just be sitting on the couch in my good clothes and I will pop up off the couch and next thing you know, I've disappeared into the backyard, into the shed and I'm doing something like painting or, you know, and I got good clothes on. And I know, I mean, you know, but it's like, I just get this urge, you know, Jordan, you know, I'm that way. I'm just like, I'll be taking a nap on the couch and all of a sudden, bing, next thing you know, I'm in the backyard behind the tree with a, with a chainsaw in my good clothes because I'm only going out there for a little while. I'm only going to do this little project. I'm only going to spray paint this one thing. And then, oops, paint on the pants or dirt on the shirt. Every time. I got so many 
pairs of pants and clothes. And I try, and then I hurry up and I try to fix it. <laughs> Shout out does not get paint off your pants. You understand what I'm saying? So I'll put it in the, in the hamper, you know, and inevitably Jan will say, what's this on your pants? I just don't say anything anymore. I just get that little guilty look on my face, like dog shaming. It's like, and then I just go off in the back mumbling, just anything. I just mumble. I probably have pain on these pants somewhere, somehow. I've got something on the, this clothes that shouldn't be there because I'm in the wrong place doing the wrong thing in the wrong clothes. And when you're that way, when you're in the wrong place with the wrong people in your robe of righteousness, you need to be very, very careful because you'll get dirty. Even if you didn't think you would, you would. You can't hang with the wrong people. You should hang with the right people. Proverbs 27, 17 says that iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another person. So I want to just encourage you, challenge you to get around some sharp people. Because when you get around sharp people, you're sharpened. I love to hang around people who are more professional than me, because when I leave there, I'm better. I'm better when I walk on the military basis. Something about the place, I walk taller, my posture's better. I want to have an iron shirt, put my shirt in my pants. I want to salute somebody. I want to just like, I just want to be better. Happens all the time. It's like, I get on the base and it's like, whoa, man, I'm looking at my dance. like, suck it up. Because I'm around people who are better than me. You get with business people that are better than you. Leave the crumbs that want to do it the wrong way and pay the price for doing it the right way and you see if God won't bless your business. So what's your next step? If you want to hang with deeper people, if you want to make your life better, what's your next step? I suggest that you join a small group and get around people that when they speak, you listen, and when they speak, they deposit something into your life. Get around in a small group. Folks, come on, quick. Let's, it's time to move forward. Come on, it's time for you to get up and move forward. Overcome your fears, your doubts, your inadequacies, and, and whatever else is hindering you, and get in a small group with people who have great integrity and learn how to live. That's exactly what I did. I found integrity, honesty, strength, professionalism, in the church. That's where I found it. The church, by the power of God and through people who love him, changed my life, changed me, and propelled me into my future that God is blessed because I paid the price of the sacrifice of my time, my abilities, and everything I owned, and I put it in the, in the church, and I believe small groups are the greatest place, and I believe that I'm challenging you to sign up and then show up because it's a lack of integrity to sign up and to not show up. It's like if I invite you to my home for dinner and you say, yes, I'm coming and I cook and you don't come. Then Jesus went on and said, there's a third kind of soil. These are thorns. The thorns out there. I mean, there were just thorns here and there and they just throw seed everywhere and, and, in the 22nd verse, he said, the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. 
the, the worries. My goodness, he, he only uses two phrases here. He said the worries. The, the, see, the worried life. The worried life is a life that chokes things out. The worry. We worry. The worry. The worry on security. Uh, am I going to be secure? Security. Safety. I mean, this is what's happening in the nation right now. It's, it's absurd what is taking place in our nation right now. It shows the utter lack of understanding and trust. The future, we fear the future, we fear our health, we fear aging, we fear uh, daily needs, we fear being accepted, we fear retirement, we fear our housing, we fear our marriages, we fear if our kids will live right and do right, we fear, we live our whole life worried in fear, and thus we never ever live our life. The saddest thing in the world is to die and never have lived because of a worried life. But yet Jesus gave us great teaching on that. And when Jesus said to do it this way, if we'll do it this way, I think that we'll, Matthew 6, 33. But seek first. I would say, say first, but don't say first, just hear first. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Seek first the inside. Seek first the kingdom. The kingdom of God is within you. That's what Jesus, the kingdom of God is within you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I'm trying to quit borrowing from tomorrow trouble. I got a pot full right now. You know what I mean? A worried life, a worrier, a worried life. They just miss life altogether. So you say, well, how, how do I? The only combat against worry is trust, nothing else. No other formulas. You don't need eight steps. There's all, trust is the only thing that will rid you of worry. Not more money, because the more money you have, the more you worry about losing the money that you had. Because when you didn't have any money, you never worried about losing money, <laughs> ever. Some of you saying, I don't worry about money. You don't have any money. And then he says about money, he says, the deceitfulness of riches. Because there are a cycle, there's a cycle of materialism that's just eating people's lunches. Now, this is what materialism is. You ready for it? It's a tendency to consider material possessions and physical comfort as more important than spiritual values. In other words, putting money over the top of everything that really matters. You see, Solomon the richest man that ever lived, the wisest man that ever lived. He wrote a lot of the Proverbs you read, but he also wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. And you know what? When I first got saved 36, almost 37 years ago, I didn't understand Ecclesiastes, but now 37 years later, I fully understand Ecclesiastes. And one thing that's a thread straight through that word is this. Everything is vanity. He says, you know what? You'll make a lot of money and die and somebody will spend it. I passed by a gentleman who died in our community recently, and I, I, I saw his truck in his yard, his house, and I, thought, I told my wife, I said, somebody else is going to be driving his truck. Someone else is going to be living in his home, and if he left any money, his kids are going to be spending it. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's life. That's the way it is. But, but these, these things, Solomon said, he said, you know what? It's all vanity. And then, then he, he used a phrase that I think is just really, really powerful. He said, it's all like chasing the wind. If you ever try to chase the wind, it's a futile, futile endeavor. You never catch the wind. And though we know this to be true, still so many times we see ourselves deceived by wealth, thinking that it brings something that it never 
can bring. So what's your next step if you find yourself in this thorny life? You say, well, I need to pull the thorns up. Hey, let's just forget about the thorns. Let's just go a little bit higher. I, I believe your next step, listen to me, and this is for some of you, your next step is that you need to serve somebody. You need to give your life away. You're holding on to your life, that little crummy life. You're choking it. You're choking that little bitty life. You're worried about your life. You're worried about money. You're worried about riches. You're worried about advancement. You're, worried. you're squeezing the neck of your life and you're barely breathing. If you'll just let your life go, if you'll just start serving somebody, serve somebody, serve your grandmother, serve that old neighbor next to you, serve that young couple behind you, go feed my sheep and feed some hungry people, go walk in the street, go in a parking lot, help somebody put some groceries in their car, fix a car, do something, but get off of it, get off of it and go serve somebody, somehow, somewhere, sometime, just do something, please do something anything. Don't even ask God. Just go do it. I think he's going to say it's okay. Don't take that out of context, please. I know how you are. Man, don't you? Yeah, you say, quit guilting me, Pastor. I'm not. I'm just sharing the word with you. It's not guilt. It's called conviction. It's not spelled G-U-I-L-T. It's C-O-N-V-I-C-T-I-O-N. That's your next step. But then Jesus comes to what we consider to be the positive side of this message, this parable, and he talks about seed in good soil. 23rd verse, he said, but the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. They get a hold to it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. And that's really what happened. One corn thing, 1,800 come out. So what does this good soil represent? What kind of life I think it represents a life that is broken. And I believe Jesus gave the example of that in John chapter 12. He said, truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Speaking of his life, but speaking of your life, if you give your life away, your life multiplies. The richest people in the world, the people who give their life away, that is just the way it is. You see, we want to get rich and then give our life away. No, no, that's, not, that's, that's the world's way. God's way is give your life away and then you get rich. Build up one life, build up five lives, build up 20 lives and see if your life doesn't just expand. If you hold on to it, you lose it. If you give it away, you gain it. I believe that's what it's a broken life. I believe it's also a humble life. It really is a humble life. Proverbs 3.34 says, The Lord mocks the mocker but is gracious to the humble. If you'll humble yourself, God will fill you full of grace, which is his power to do his will. It's just this wonderful cycle. I'm humble, he gives grace. It humbles me because he gives me grace. And because I'm humble, he gives me more grace. Can't do anything in this life, not real, not in this spiritual life without the grace of God. You can do a lot of things in the world with, with earthly passion and those things. But man, when it gets down to where we're in now, you better get some grace up on your life. I can't pastor this church without grace. My goodness, lift the grace. I'm out. I can't handle it. I believe it's also represented by a fruitful life. I believe this degree of fruitfulness is 30, 60, 100. In this room, we've got some 30, 60, and hundreds. Man, you know, everybody wants to be 100, but you know what? The fruitfulness is determined by your willingness to be used by God. 
I wonder when's the last time you really sat down, knelt down, stood up, lifted your hands, closed your eyes and said, Lord, will you use me in a greater way than I'm being used? I challenge you to pray that prayer and then hang on. Give God time, though it's not tomorrow. It might be a week, a month, a year. I don't know, but if you'll be bold and pray that simple prayer and God sees a heart that's really praying that, a willingness to move forward, he's going to give you something really, really great. Have you ever done that? If not, I just challenge you to do that. I challenge you to do that. You say, well, God is using me. Well, here now is the greatest challenge. And we just saw this this week. We call it perpetual sowing because this is what happens. Jesus said this then, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with very much. So here we are, Jesus saying, I'm using you and I see that. Now what I want to do is use you more. What he's saying is that the people who are in the trench are the people that he's going to sow more seed into. You see, we think, well, he's not sowing much seed on him over there. He's not doing much. That's right. He's not faithful in that which is little. He's looking. Let me see some faithful soil. Let me see. And then he just takes a handful of seed. And goes, so you're, you're faithful to a small group. You're in a small group. You're in a small group. What do you think the next step is? What do you think God's wanting to do? Where do you think God wants to go? He wants to say, I see you're a great small group person. Wonderful. I want you to be a small group leader. This is the way God works. Say, oh, you know, Lord, would you use me? Well, let me see what you're doing right now. Okay, I see you're on a team. Great. Now I want you to be a team captain. Oh, you're a team captain. Uh huh. Now we're just talking in the context of the local church here. This is life. And there's some things outside of this. Oh, you're a team captain. Poof. I want you to be a team leader. Oh, you're leading a few teams. I see great soul there. More seed. Guess what? I want you to lead a whole group of teams. Now I want you to just lead several teams. Till eventually God looks and you know what he says? I want to call you out of the congregation. I want you to lead a church. You see how quiet it is in here? It's always quiet when the challenge comes down to move a step further. And I know some of you say, well, I'm, I'm maxed out. I'm maxed out. We're maxed out with the world. We're not maxed out with the kingdom. We're maxed out with the world. Say amen. Come on, somebody. You know it. You know it. You know it. I know it. And you know it. You know it. We 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 know it. We're full of the world. You know it. We know it. We know it. We got a lot of time for everything else. But God wants to build his kingdom because God, I'm telling you what, this world is passing away. What are we going to invest in? A company that's going broke? Or one that's getting ready to take the whole thing? A fruitful life is not static. So what's your next step, folks? Well, I'm, I'm 60. Your next step is 100. You say, I like being 30. Your next step is 60. That's where it's at. I'm just going to tell you what an what a, what a, what a African brother told us years ago, standing right over. He said, you can do more. You can do more. 
We've been laying off and saying, you can do less. You can do less. Now, we are sturdy in people's lives. We don't want you to just run yourself to death. But come on, man. Time is short. I'm going to work till I, I can't work any longer. I don't plan on stopping. Some of you think that I've retired. Huh? I'm not retired. You didn't hear me right. I'm not retired. I'm preaching today. It's what Luke chapter 15, verse 5 says. Jesus put it so eloquently. He said, I am the vine, and you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Much fruit. A fruitful life. He will take a nobody and make them a somebody. He will take your hard heart of the pathway and he will crumble that hard ground to where the seed can grow. He will give you strength to be rich soil deep. Some of you, he will give you the power to overcome the thorns that have choked you out. And others, he will cause you to be fruitful. One last note. Some folks used to be a hundredfold, a sixtyfold, and now I see, because I've been around long enough in this church, I see that they're now back on thorny ground. They're back on shallow ground. And I even know some who their hearts are so hardened <laughs> that every time the word falls, the devil comes and takes it away. That's not what we want. We want to be fruitful. Amen? Yeah. That's what we want. So our next steps, you just heard them. But what about the person who's in here and your heart is just disconnected from God? I mean, you don't know him. You know about him. Everybody knows about him, but you don't know him. And here you find yourself in a church service. And here you find yourself being your heart. You feel something. You felt something when you walked in the room. You just felt that the Holy Spirit is about working in your heart. So if you're feeling disconnected, you're feeling like this is strange to you and you don't have a connection with God, Jesus is just wooing you to himself and simply saying, come on, I'm here, I died for you, I love you and care about you and I wanna give you a good life and I wanna give you eternal life on top of all that. That's what Jesus offers to people. And so I want you to close your eyes with me just for a moment. You're in that room, in that seat right now. You say, Pastor Van, my heart is not connected to God, and I know it. I just know about him, but I've never really met him. Or maybe I met him a long time ago, but I've forgotten. I want to pray with you right where you are to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord. I want you to repent of your sins. I want you to turn to the living God, and I want you to put your faith in Jesus Christ. And when you do that, God will answer your prayer instantly. Anybody in this room, I want you to do this. I'm, I'm going to pray for you right where you are. I just want you to lift your hand and say, Pastor, I need to be reconciled to God. That's what I need. Raise your hand. I Just shoot it up. Put it right back down. Thank you for your hand. Thank you for your hand. Yes, there, there. Come on, just shoot it up. Put it right back down. Come on, come on. This is your chance, your opportunity right now. Thank you, yes. Come on, come on. Take your opportunity right now. Come on, Jesus is just like... He's with you. He's right here. That's right. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else before I pray? I'm praying right now. Just shoot your hand up if you haven't already. Just up and down. Come on. 
Thank you so much. That's right. I want to pray and then I want you to pray along with me. I want you to just go ahead and just agree with me. Get in on this. God is hearing your heart. And that's where he's coming. Don't worry about your outside right now. Don't worry about your circumstances. Don't worry about anything like that. Jesus is coming inside and starting in your heart. Father, I thank you for loving me, caring about me and dying for me on a cross. Jesus, thank you for paying my debt for my sin. I thank you that today my heart is open. The pathway of my life is being broken up. I want to receive your seed of your word right now, Lord. I thank you for forgiving me. I repent of my sins. I turn to you, Father. And Lord Jesus, I put my faith completely in you. Make me a new person today. And I thank you for forgiving me, receiving me, and changing me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. I want to thank the Lord. If you just made that decision, let me be the first to say congratulations. The decision to follow Christ is just the beginning of your relationship with God, and we'd love to help you with your next few steps. If you'll text the word SAVED to 51660, we want to send you a link to our website that'll explain a little more about the decision you just made and give you some steps to take so that you can grow in your new relationship with God. We're one church in multiple locations. We have a campus in Gulfport, Wiggins, and in Long Beach, Mississippi. Mississippi. If you're in one of those areas, we'd love to see you at one of our live services. You can visit our website, northwood.tv, for service times and directions. If you'd like to give to this ministry, you can do that online as well. Just go to northwood.tv give, or you can text the amount you'd like to give to 228-215-3421. Again, that's 228-215-3421. Standard data rates and text charges may apply. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you next time.